Welcome to episode 40 of Kowalski Analysis. I'm your host, Rob Kowalski. Very excited. This is like a milestone for us, 40 episodes. Who would have thunk that I'd make it this long? Uh, but tonight we have on the show a guy named Todd Sylvester, and he is a mindset coach who has overcome a 10-year addiction to alcohol and drugs. He is the founder of Todd Sylvester Inspires, where he mentors and coaches people from all over the world. And as a mentor and mindset coach, he has helped thousands find joy again in their lives. He also coaches at the greatest university on the planet, Wasatch Recovery. Over the past 31 years, Todd has discovered and taught universal principles that have empowered thousands to conquer addiction, crush compulsive behaviors, and change their limiting belief systems. He's the author of the popular book, It's Time to Start Living, the number one bestseller, I Am Recovered. And he also produces a popular podcast that he calls Belief Cast where he features great people doing amazing things. His story has also been featured in uh, Simon Sinek's best-selling new book called Find Your Why. So I'm looking forward to bringing him in. Before I do, I want to go ahead and announce my sponsor, as always. I'm just going to take a moment to share my screen with you all. And that is Micah Hughes. Micah's a good friend of mine, and Micah does everything real estate. The real estate market is on fire right now. So if you are looking to sell your home, now would be a great time to sell your home. They're selling at premium prices. If you're looking to buy a home, apparently there's money being lended because if not, people wouldn't be able to buy houses. Um, so Micah can take care of you. He can also help you if you're interested in, in learning about real estate investing and just earning passive income. He he does everything from buying, selling real estate, real estate investing. He does uh, financial planning. Call up Michael. Let him know I sent you his numbers, 443-532-8450. He is a good friend of mine. And if you let him know I sent you, he will take good care of you. Uh, I also wanted to mention uh, uh, some courses. Two, actually, two things. First, before I get into that, I know this next guy is really big. Uh, like I said, he's big on service. And that is one of the pillars at City Fan that we stand for is we believe in giving back regularly because for us, when we give back together, it forms a deeper bond. It helps us to strengthen our connections with others. And then it also just does something within you when you give back, when you give of yourself. There's something that happens. You get, you know, chemicals released in your brain that are very similar to drugs and alcohol. I often tell people that are struggling in addiction to just get into volunteering because you're less likely to have those cravings when you're volunteering, when you're doing things good for other people. So I want to encourage you to either, you know, if you want to do it through a faith community, that's great. But if you're, that's not your thing, look into city fam. That's an organization that I helped start a few years ago, cityfam.com. We do a social and a service event every month and just want to make volunteering uh, easy and accessible for people. I also have a couple courses that I want to plug Proverbs31blueprint.com for ladies looking to become that woman of noble character and maximize their, their season of singleness and unleash the best.com. Unleash the best you is the name of the course for men looking to do the same thing. Uh, but with no further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Todd. Welcome to episode 40 of Kowalski Analysis. Todd Sylvester. Welcome to the show, Todd. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to, you know, share some stuff with you and your listeners today. Yeah, well, I'm excited to speak with you. So you're, you said you're in Salt, Salt Lake City, Utah? Yeah, yep. Is that where you're from? 
Yeah, I was born here and uh, we moved when I was, you know, I think before I was even the, uh, one years old to Colorado. We lived there till I was in second grade. Then we moved back here to Utah and I've been here ever since. Okay, nice. Yeah. So I know a little bit about your story. You were a bartender. You were a, an alcohol. I was a nightclub promoter. I don't know if you knew that. I was I was running the nightlife in Baltimore for uh, a few years before I became a Christian, and then actually a few more years, several years after I became a Christian. God, it was weird, long story, right. but God called me back into the the scene, and I was trying to make a difference from the inside, and it, oh wow didn't work out so well but, uh, <laughs> but it enabled me to do what i'm doing now because sure it was that it was that uh, that experience of being separated from god knowing he was real and not being obedient to him that really yeah. enables me to do what i'm doing now because in a lot of ways i'm in the devil's backyard regularly and i and i'm yeah. like nope not gonna do it as i know <laughs> i got me once yeah right. give me again but um <laughs> So yeah, tell me a little bit about your story. I'd love to just hear it. Yeah, well, you know, I I took my first sip of alcohol when I was 11 years old and I didn't get drunk or anything, but I fell in love with the rush of it. And that kind of just opened the door and the floodgates for everything else. My passion growing up was basketball. And I learned at a very young age that I had this all or nothing mentality. I mean, I was I was obsessed. I had these you know, dreams of getting a college scholarship, playing in the NBA. And, and so I was practicing two or three hours a day at a young age. And I was, like I said, I was obsessed with it. But, uh, you know, a few years later, I got introduced to marijuana by a friend of mine. And when that happened, I fell in love with it. How old were you? I, uh, I was 13. Okay. Uh, when I smoked pot for the first time. And then that led to, you know, almost like a week to two weeks later, I got blackout drunk for the first time. And then I was off to the races. I was smoking pot every day and drinking every weekend, still practicing basketball. I had a really good run though in high school, a sophomore year, I led the team in every category. We took first in state. My junior year, I led the team in every category. We took second in state. And then senior year, I was voted team captain with two other guys and we took first in state again. So we just had this, I played with some amazing athletes and we just dominated. And, uh, but jumping back by the time my sophomore year came around is when things were slowly going in the wrong direction. But again, as a kid, I didn't realize it. Um, I was, you know, I started doing cross tops, which is speed. Uh, back, back then, uh, quaaludes were, were the thing. <laughs> I took a quaalude once, man. It, dude, it wrecked me. I literally, oh, it, like, I like blacked out off of it. I woke up oh, yeah. the next day and <laughs> you know, they were yeah. like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I, I took a whole one. I the guy told me to take a half, but I couldn't hear him. We were in a loud <laughs> nightclub and I took a whole one and I just don't even remember the rest of the game, night. Game over. Yeah. Wow. So you, when well, you, you were playing basketball, yeah. I smoked pot when I for the first time when I was 11, hated it, I, but I did start drinking in my early teens. And I think it was more because I wanted it to look cool. Like I, yeah. I remember one time actually putting it on like cologne, like I wanted to smell <laughs> like alcohol when I went to this party because I thought it would make me cool. Right. Um, so, you, but you just did it straight for the, you loved it. Yeah, I, I was all in and, and again, I had this all or nothing mentality and that's why I was really good at basketball because I was all in. And then when I started doing drugs, I was like, I'm all in. And just that's, and to this day, it's, you know, I still struggle with being all in sometimes. 
So. Even on, even on a good thing, you know, I, I, I struggle with balance and, uh, but I, uh, like I said, I, we took state my senior year, a week later, I got offered a full ride scholarship, which was amazing. And then I uh, started practicing with the team during the summer, but I was a complete mess at this point. I had this voice in my head that was telling me to kill myself. I was no good. I was pathetic. No, no girl's ever going to want to be with me. And you know, all those negative things. And I believed them and I was depressed. And then about a week into practice with this college team that I had the scholarship with, the coach pulls me into his office and just looks at me and says, what's wrong? And when he said that, I knew I was in trouble. I wasn't playing well. And I just told him, hey, coach, I know I'm not playing well. I, I will do better. I will try harder. And he said, you know, this is the big boy leagues and we don't have time to mess around. And I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm taking away your scholarship. Wow. And I was devastated. I mean, it was like this, my, the blood from my head just rushed to my toes. I almost passed out. I started to cry and I got on my knees and literally begged that coach, please do not do this. And he's like, I'm sorry, the decision's already been made. And what school was this again? It was at U. it was a junior college back in the day. It was called Utah Valley community college. Yeah. Still now, a four year, ride, now yeah. a four year, but uh, back then it was a two year college. So what did that do to you? So I, I can't, I have a similar story. A friend of mine was a soccer. He was my best friend in high school. He was a phenom. He broke every record at our high school. Right. was on the cover of the newspaper multiple times, uh, several colleges looking at him. And uh, in the 12th grade, him and I decided that we were going to take the librarian's credit card from her purse and charge a bunch of clothes and jewelry on it. And we did. And we got caught. We got arrested and we got expelled. And um, he <laughs> lost any hope of getting uh, oh, a scholarship wow. after that. And I know what it did to him. Uh, sure. And even what it did to me as being part of it. But I, I, I'd love to hear... You know, what happened to you after that? Well, my first thought was, how am I going to tell my dad that I just lost a scholarship? My dad dedicated his, basically his life to making sure that I had every opportunity to play basketball. I mean, I went to all the best camps. I mean, he spent thousands of dollars, hours and hours of time. And so I thought, how am I going to tell him? Was and then he my an second, alcoholic? No, he drinks, but he's not an alcoholic. Uh, you know, to this day, he still has a rum and Coke before he goes to bed. So, sure. yeah. um, my mom, on the other hand, has struggled with addiction. So that was another th uh, part of the story. But, uh, when that happened, I just, I thought, how am I going to tell my friends? I've been bragging to everybody that I got a scholarship and now I some have to tell them I don't have it anymore. And I became this depressed, angry, drunk. I would throw chairs through windows. I'd punch holes in the wall. And the, obviously the abuse of drugs and alcohol just got way worse. And I had these thoughts of killing myself. I tried out at several other colleges and universities in the state of Utah and outside of the state, got cut from every single one of them. And then I found myself living in a home with five other guys. And I call it this nasty home because it was nasty. We, we, we had this big brick wall when we were done with our beer bottles, we would just throw them and let them shatter. We wouldn't clean it up people would pee in the corners. It was horrible. And it was just this party. That's all we did is party and do drugs. And, and I remember it was a Thursday when it hit me that basketball is no longer part of my future. It's over like that, that ship, that opportunity has sailed. It's gone. How were you when that happened? Um, I was 20, 22. So you basically partied from high school till four years. Yep. 
Yeah. Okay. So it's 22 years old. I've got friends now who are getting married, friends who have already, you know, got their college degree. I'm doing nothing really because, and then when that reality of the basketball is over, that, that reality was so devastating because that was my identity back then. That's how I identified myself. I'm a basketball player, right? That's over. And when that happened, that voice in my head was like, you're pathetic. You're no good. You're never, I mean, who does that? Who, who practices two or three hours every single day from sixth grade on? And now you blow up because you'd rather get high. And that just was, I'm done. And so I planned my suicide at the time I'm working as a bartender, which is not a good idea if you're trying to stop drinking, as you well know. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so, um, I usually, I'd come up, my parents lived in, so where I was living was in Orem, Utah. My parents lived in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, where I worked as a bartender. So I'd come up on the weekends to go work as a bartender. And so as, so I thought, well, on Friday, I'm going to go home and just end my life. I'm not going to go to work. I'm just, I'm done. Well, as I'm heading home on Friday, I decide to stop at that school, which was Utah Valley Community College at the time. And it must have been lunchtime because we would always go hang out in the lunchroom and check out girls and, you know, do what boys do, just talk about whatever. And I guess it was kind of almost like my last ditch effort to, to tell them I'm, I'm, this is it. I'm saying goodbye without saying goodbye, if that makes sense. And I go and sit at this table that we always sat at and there's all my friends sitting there. And there was these two religious girls that would come sit. They, they're church going girls. And they drove me nuts. And there was two of them. It was Michelle and Shaquille. <laughs> and these two girls would always like, you know, try to invite us to go to church. And, and I would just rip on them. I'd be like, you know what? The, you know, it's all a joke. Why are you wasting your time? And in a little background, Rob, kind of like you, I didn't, I didn't grow up you know, religious at all. I didn't, we didn't believe in God. We didn't talk about God. We, I mean, it wasn't even a part of the, my life. So these girls, I just give a hard time. Well, this particular day, I'm sitting there in my head thinking about what I'm going to go home do and take my life. I overhear these two girls talking about fasting and prayer. And for some reason, Rob, that word fasting just penetrated my heart. I was like, what is that? And I didn't dare say anything while everyone's sitting at the table. I just sat there and I'm like, what is that? I had no clue. I really didn't. I knew what prayer was but I had no idea what fasting was at the time. And so these two girls get up and they start to walk wherever they're going, probably going to class. And I thought, I'm going to go ask him. So I stood up and I walk and follow behind him. I tap him on the shoulder. And I said, Hey, were you guys just talking about fasting and prayer? And they said, yeah, why do you want to know? <laughs> Cause I, again, I used to give them such a hard time about any religious things at all. Right. Right. And I said, no, I'm serious. I, I have no idea what that is, but I, I'm curious what it is. And they said, well, in our religion, we fast once a month. We, we start with a prayer. We go the whole day without food or water. And then we end with a prayer. And as they're telling this to me, Rob, I'm going, what is the point of that? That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and so I said, why do you guys do that? I don't, what's the point? And one of the girls points right in my face and says, if you want help from God. And I'll tell you, Rob, for that was another, it just hit me like right between the eyes, right in the heart. I thought, what? And I didn't say anything to the girls. I start to walk away. I just told them, thanks for telling me. And as I walked away, I thought, is there a God? And would God help me? That, that's what went through my mind. I thought, you know what? 
I'm going to try this because deep, deep down, I mean, I was looking for a solution. But you know, you know, when you're in the height of addiction, you're you're like, there's no there's no way out of this. Yeah, feels like the end for sure. Do you think that, like voice, that voice in your head? Would you think that was you? Or do you think it was the enemy now? Oh, for sure. The enemy, right? I was lying. It was all lies. Right. But I believed it. Yeah, 100%. But at the time, you don't know that you just think, well, I'm just this piece of crap. And this is just who I am. And you know what, I guess, the, you know, if I can't live my dream, I might as well just be dead. Right. And so I did what these girls asked to do. I didn't go home that weekend. I stayed home in this nasty house with all my roommates. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. And, and I'm going to try it tomorrow morning. So now it's Saturday morning. And I go, I have to start with a prayer. And I know what prayer was. So I go find this little teeny coat closet, because I don't want my roommates to see what I'm doing. And I'm not kidding you. It's so small, Rob, that I literally, and there's coats in there. I literally have to get on my knees. And I get on my knees and I just say, I just look up kind of, and I just said, God, if you're there, I need help. And then I get up out of that closet. And for the first time since um, that time I started smoking pot and when I was 13, I didn't smoke a bowl in the morning. I didn't pop a pill. I didn't have a drink. I didn't snort a line. I didn't do any of that. And I, I made it till about noon <laughs> without food or water, right? Fasting. <laughs> and uh, they, those girls said, end with a prayer. And I thought, okay, I'll go back in that closet. So I went back in that teeny coat closet on my knees again. And I just said, God, if you're there, I need help. And I waited and nothing happened. And it felt like I waited forever, but still nothing happened. And at that moment, I was really in despair. And I just thought, well, that was a waste of time. And I got wasted that night. I was still having thoughts of suicide, but I was kind of going back and forth still. Mm -hmm. And about a month after that, I get a phone call from a friend of mine, Rob, who I played basketball with at Brighton High School. He, he was a good kid. He was a, you know, a religious kid. He went to church. He was that kind of kid who we all kind of looked up to, but we we're like, man, he's too good for us. Not in a negative way, but he really was just a good kid. Right. And, uh, he went on to play, uh, he got a four year, uh, four year, uh, scholarship to UC Davis. He was the four, a state MVP in basketball, amazing athlete. And he had since been back from all of that. He was married and living his life. Right. I get this random phone call. You got to remember this is before cell phones. <laughs> like when the phone on the wall actually would ring and you're like, okay, who is it? Don't answer it. <laughs> But so he tracks me down in this nasty house that I was living in. And he, he, I get on the phone with him. And he's like, Hey, where are you at these days? And I'm like, Hey, I'm down here in Orem. He goes, I'm down here too. He goes, I re would really love to catch up with you. Would you mind coming over? And I'm like, absolutely. And, but I thought it was weird. I'm like, how did he track me down? That was weird. This anyway. Is the, so this is the day after this is a Sunday. Um, no, this was a, about a month after a the month? fast. Okay, Sorry. Missed that. Sure. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So a month after the fast. Anyway, so I go over to his place. We sit down. We just start talking weather talk, right? No big deal. We're just catching up. And then this guy, Rich, starts saying all these great things about me. He's like, Todd, you're going to help so many people in your life. You're going to make a difference in this world. And then he kept saying, you're going to help kids. Like, I don't know. I mean, he just was real specific. Hmm. You're going to help so many kids. And as he's saying this, I mean, I'm a train wreck at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm a full blown alcoholic drug addict. 
I'm, I'm lying, cheating, manipulating, stealing from people. I'm doing things with girls I shouldn't be doing. And he, I finally stopped him. I said, dude, why are you saying this? You have no idea my life's a mess. So I'd appreciate it if you'd stop. And I, he goes, you know, Todd, he goes, I didn't go to work today because there's a message I need to share with you today. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, I goes, everything okay? And he's like, no, everything's fine. And I can tell he's nervous. He's sitting there just, you know, and all of a sudden he takes this deep breath, Rob, and he looks me right in the eye. And he said, Todd, the Lord came to me last night and says, we need you on our side today. Wow. Gosh, man, I'll tell you, Rob, when he said that, I didn't know it then, but what I felt in that moment was the love of God from head to toe. It, and it actually kind of scared me. I was like, what is this feeling? It felt so amazing. Yeah. And, and I tell Rich, I go, man, I fasted for help about a month ago. And he points right in my face and he goes, this is your help. <laughs> and so we sit there kind of with our jaws on the floor, just sitting there and I'm going, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, well, now what? Right. And so he hooked me up with, uh, with, uh, with a bishop, which, you know, some, someone, you know, a clergyman, right? And he said, you need to start meeting with this guy and start telling him everything you've been doing. And I'm like, there's no way I'm telling this guy. Anyway, long story short, he gets me an appointment with a quote unquote, a bishop. That's, you know, what we call him in our, in our religion. And it would be like a pastor or, you know, that kind of thing. And so I go down and I meet with this guy, right? And this is, this is a very important part of the story. So I start meeting with this guy and my very first time meeting with him, I, I thought I'll spend five minutes and then I'm out of there. Well, I ended up spending three hours in this guy's office and I unload on this guy. I tell him everything I've been doing, the stuff I was doing with girls, the drugs, the alcohol, the lying, the cheating, the manipulating, the, the depressed thoughts, thinking about killing myself, you know, um, not still, still struggling with the God thing, to be honest with you at that point, yeah, I'm sure. still like, you know, I don't know what I think. <laughs> and this guy looks at me and says, there's four things I want you to do. He says, do you think you can do a one prayer a day? Like you did when you're in that closet? You think you can do that? I'm like, yeah, I think I can do that. He goes, do you think you could, you know, he hands me a, like a Bible and a set of scriptures. Do you think you can read these? And I go, he goes, have you ever read them before? I'm like, no. Because I want you to read one verse a day. I didn't even know what a verse was, Rob. He literally has to pull it out. This is a verse. <laughs> I go, okay, I think I could probably do one a day. And then he goes, I, 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 I want to meet with you every week for a year. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And he goes, we'll take it a week at a time. But he goes, I want to meet with you, you know, once a week. And I said, okay. And then he goes, the fourth thing is, I want you to be honest with me. And I go, okay, I just told you everything. I go, what do you mean exactly? He goes, when we meet, I want you to tell me if you drank, if you used, if you did anything with a girl, if you lied, cheated, I just shoot it to me straight. I go, well, I just told you everything. That shouldn't be a problem because I'll be honest with you. I'll give you that commitment. And Rob, I tell this to my clients to this very day. He taught me that, that principle of honesty I yeah. will tell my clients that if you're honest with yourself, you'll never relapse. Because we have to lie to go back to that darkness. We have to justify it. And that justification is the lie. And he taught me that. So I started meeting with this guy, right? I'm still a bartender, though. It takes me eight months to tell this guy that I made it three days clean this week. It took me eight months. 
I was using every day still. And I'm still that voice in my head. You're pathetic. You're no good. You'll never make it. What were the drugs? What were the drugs? The choice was it just weed? At this point, it's alcohol and cocaine. Cocaine. Okay. Yeah, I had graduated to cocaine. Um, I mean, I would smoke pot still, but it, yeah. those were the two that I would use the most. Sure. Um, alcohol, probably number one. Um, yeah. um, easy to get to, cheap, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and so as a bartender, as you well know, I would get tips from the waiters and waitresses because I would make their drinks for their customers. And then I'd, anyone sit at the bar, I would make their drinks, right? And I'd get a bunch of change from, you know, they'd always give me their quarters, nickels and dimes. And I'd keep these quarters, nickels and dimes in the cup holders of my car, right? Yeah. Well, about this eight month mark, and I'm still struggling. I'm wondering, am I ever going to be able to do this? Uh, I still didn't feel really connected with God yet. I mean, I was working on it, but I wasn't working on hard enough, to be honest. Yeah. Kind of like your story, you were in and then you kind of fell away. Yeah. It's kind of that where I just, ugh, I don't know what I want. Right. Well, so I, I walk away from that life. Yeah. So living what you were still living in the same place too, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I eventually got out of there. But at this point, I'm still there, which yeah. is not a good idea because that's all we did was party. And sure. I was in a bad circumstance. Well, uh, a Saturday, it was a Saturday and the sun was shining and I'm in my car and I'm driving out of my parents' neighborhood and it's this big windy road. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this little girl selling lemonade. No big deal. I drive right on past. And then I have this impression come over me that says, turn around and give her all the money in your car. I have like $40 of quarters. I thought, whoa, that'll be so cool. So I flip a Yui. I turn around, I pull up, I roll my window down and there's this cute little fourth grade girl sitting there. And I said, how much? She said, 25 cents. I said, I'll take one. So she pours it, right? Hands it to me. I set it on my dashboard of my car and I tell this little girl to cup her hands like this. And I start scooping all this change into this girl's hand and she starts freaking out. She's like, no way, no way. I'm like, hold on, I got more. And she's literally just, and I'm not kidding you, it takes me like 10 scoops to get every you know, sent to her, right? The last scoop she throws on her table, she takes off into her house. And I'm thinking she's going to some she's gonna go tell some dude just gave her a million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Tell her parents, hey. And so but as I pull away, Rob, I start to cry like I've never cried before in my entire life. Have you ever cried so hard you feel like you're cleansing your soul? Mm. This was one of those soul cleansing cries. I have to pull my car over I throw it in park. I put my face in my hands and I just sob. And in that moment, Rob, I felt like I mattered. I wanted to be clean. I wanted to do good. I wanted, I actually felt like, man, I made someone's decade. This girl is never going to forget this. Right. And there's a quote, uh, you can probably see it on the back of my wall. It's by Ferdinand Foch. It says the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. This lit my soul on fire. And that all or nothing mentality kicks in. I thought if that little girl's our next Saturday, I'm giving her all my money. So sure enough, next Saturday, all the money I earned as a bartender, I pull up and she recognizes me and she's like, no way. Here's the money guy. Right. And she's just freaking out again. Cause she sees me. Right. I give her $15 in quarters. I do this the next Saturday, $20 in quarters, the next Saturday, $30 in ones. Right. I do this every Saturday for the next two and a half months. Wow. And every time I pull away, I just start crying. Hmm. Now I got to share this one last part because this will tie this all in together. Yeah. 
I decide after that two and a half months, I'm going to go to church for the first time. I'm going to go check it out by myself. No one's telling me to go. Even this bishop didn't tell me to go to church. He just told me to do those four things. Pray, read, show up every week and be honest. That's all. Yeah. So I decided to go to church. I'm sitting back in the back corner because I don't know, want anyone to see me. I don't know anyone. And I'm just sitting there. The place is packed. And I'm looking around and I look on the other side of the chapel and there's that little girl, lemonade girl with her mom. She sees me and she starts going, you know, and I wave back and she's looking, mom, there's the guy, that's him, you know? And so, I mean, I start to tear up Yeah, but. and my heart starts to pound and mm, this just chokes me up. So I stay the whole time. Church is, church, now church is over. They come walking over, the mom's crying she comes up and gives me this hug and she's in my ear and she says, Todd, thank you so much for what you've done for my daughter. I'm like, Oh no, ma'am, you have no idea. This has been for me. She goes, no, no, no. She was saving for a trampoline. You put her over the top. She thinks you're like the greatest thing. And I, and again, I go, no, this was for me. This is like, I can't tell you what this has done for me. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, Hey, we have a favor to ask you. I'm like, what's that? She said, on Wednesday, there's a daddy-daughter date, and she would love you to take her as her, uh, as her date. I'm like, I'm like, well, what about her dad? <laughs> and she said, well, we were divorced. Uh, I divorced her dad when she was young, and he's not a part of her life at all. She would really like you to go. Little does the mom know she's asking this drug addict to take her fourth-grade daughter <laughs> to this daddy-daughter date, right? And so... And she's looking at me, her name's Lindy, looking at me, smiling. I'm like, well, how can I say no? I'm like, sure. So, and I walk away and as I'm walking away, I'm like, why did I say yes to that, right? Well, so I go pick this little girl up on Wednesday, okay? I don't even know her. Right. I'm scared to death, dude. I'm literally like, what? What are we going to talk about in the car? Like, hey, how was recess today? And <laughs> little small talk, I don't even know what I'm doing. So we go up to the canyon and we pull up to this picnic site we're late. Every dad's there with their daughters. I don't know any dad, any daughter. I don't even know her. I'm walking up going, why did I say yes? Why did I do this? So I'm literally like a fish out of water. I'm, I'm used to, you know, to be in some of the worst places. And here I am with this pure, innocent girl. And we're sitting here. And so we start playing these games, right? And one of the games was how well do you know your daughter? How well do you know your dad, right? Like favorite color, food, movie. And I look at her, Linda, I go, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do this. I kid you not, Rob. She goes, let's guess. She says it. I'm like, all right. I kid you not. I wouldn't have believed it had I not been there. We almost get every answer correct. We're like wow. high-fiving each other. And I'm just blown away. I'm going, this is so surreal. I'm used to waking up, hungover, puke all over me, doing some of the worst things, Love it. Waking up, you know, feeling guilt and shame like you can't even imagine. And now here I am sitting with this pure innocent girl, and we're going to have hot dogs and Kool-Aid. Love it. And then all of a sudden, this is where my life changed forever. Um, they gather everyone and they're going to bless the food, which I thought, that's weird. Is there something wrong with the hot dogs? <laughs> Why do you got to bless it, right? And so this guy just started saying, and I, I'm, you got to remember, I'm an infant I'm, I don't even know what to do. Everyone folds their arms. So I just follow. Okay, fold your arms. And this guy just starts saying this prayer. Everyone's got their head bowed and, and their eyes closed. And I'm just looking around going, what is going on? So I just follow suit and I bow my head, close my eyes. 
and I hear this voice that tells me, Todd, I love you. You've made an impact on this girl's life that she'll never forget. And I'm proud of you and you're in the right place doing the right thing. And I'm telling you, Rob, that same experience I had when Rich said, hey, the Lord came to me last night. Yeah. And that love, dude, I felt it from head to toe. I start crying like I've never cried before. And they get done with the prayer and I'm over there just bawling. <laughs> and everyone's looking at me, dude, it's just hot dogs, relax, right? right. And I'm like, and I look at him and I said, I, 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 and Lindy's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh man, these are happy tears. And it was in that moment, Rob, from confirmation from God himself, that I knew I, I'm done doing drugs. I'm never going to drink again. I am going to do my best to never tell a lie. I'm, I'm done manipulating people. And I'm going to go make right all the wrongs that I've ever done. And I'm going to, I'm going to help kids like her change their lives forever. So good. And it was in that moment, it was game over. And then from that moment, I started doing a drug free program in elementary school it's called Sly Dog Drug Free. That's me. And your listeners won't be able to see this, but this is Sly Dog. That was my nickname in high school. There's good old Sly Dog. And I went around to every elementary school in the state of Utah for the next five years, spoke to over 250,000 kids. Wow. I've got boxes of letters from kids in my garage to this day telling me they will never touch drugs because of what I taught them. Now, from that, I would have parents come up to me and say, hey, my kid loves your program. Will you work with them one-on-one? -on -one? I'm like, yeah, sure. Don't have a clue what I'm doing, but yeah, I'll do it. That was 31 years ago, Rob. I've done over 17,000 coaching sessions in the last 31 years. Mm -hmm. I've been clean for 31 years from that moment at the daddy-daughter date. Wow. And, and I, I now get to speak to guys like you who are doing amazing things that I, I read up on you, Rob. I did, I did my homework, man. And I, I admire you so much on so many levels. I know this is our first time seeing face to face, yeah. but I'll tell you, dude, I'm impressed how God can take us and make us to something. Cause I sit here, I'm pinching myself. I'm talking to you right now. I don't How did that happen? Are you kidding yeah. me? It's not because of me. No, yeah, totally get it. Man, so, 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 so there, here I am. <laughs> I love the, uh, even the lemonade, you know, like, so at city fan, one of the things we, we have a, is like, we have this ladder by which we operate from that really helps people become the best version of themselves. And we yeah. started out with social events because it's the easiest thing to get people to. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed a lot of people when they're, they're making good decisions, maybe they're in church or they're sober or whatever. That a lot of times they're like looking for things to do. There's not a whole lot of options. So we right. create these social environments that they get to come to, to basically stave off boredom. And then we invite the people that are not their best version of themselves. Yeah. And they usually, you know, we kind of meet them where they're at and yeah. then walk them up, you know, so, but the service is the next step. And it really yeah. kind of came from me because I was, I was volunteering through my church. I'd rededicated my life to God and, um, you know, I just done a lot of bad stuff, you know, mostly like sleeping around. And I just did not think highly of myself. I didn't view myself as a good person, but when I started volunteering, I did, I, it felt so good. Like you mentioned that I, I was like, you know, like I, it just felt good to play for the good guys. 
You know, yeah. like who knew? I'm like, I didn't even yeah. think I was a good guy. <laughs> and then right. next thing you know, I start doing good things and it's like, wow, this feels good. I like myself again. And uh, it just became addictive. And you know, that to me, it's, it's one of the best ways to help people really um, self-actualize, you know, because if you're not part of a faith community or, you know, some, I'm really part of a faith community. It's not that easy to get into volunteering. It's kind of like, well, you know, I'm not going to show up right. to a homeless shelter by myself. Right. Um, but do you, do you, is that part of your program for your clients? Absolutely. You, you, uh, there's a, there's a really powerful principle that goes with that, Rob, that I teach called, if you want to be, give it away and fill in the blank. If you want to be happy, go give away happiness and then you'll be happy. If you want to be inspiring, go, go inspire someone and then you'll be inspiring. If you want to feel loved, go give away love and you will feel loved. Go, you we got to give to get, you know, and I was fortunate enough to, to be in Simon Sinek's book, find your why he, he added my story in there. Yeah. And he, I've heard him say this to me personally, where if you master the first 11 steps of AA, you're going to drink again. If you master step 12, you'll never touch another drop. Step 12 is reach out and help another alcoholic. Wow. Yeah, I guess that's even Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's the whole, you know, top of the pyramid is uh, giving it away, right? Giving back. Give it back. I'm telling you, there's so much power in that. Because think about it, when we're when we're using and we're in our addiction, we are the most selfish people on the planet. It's all about me. I'm going to rob you. I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to steal from you. I'm going to manipulate you so I can get what I want, mm -hmm. which basically says I don't really care about you. We're so selfish. That's that's to me the disease part is we're just selfish. Yeah. And when we can start giving a, of ourselves. We, we, we get rid of the disease. Why do you think the drug epidemic is so out of control right now? Do you think it's, is it the culture, this, the, the, you know, the social media that feeds into the whole selfishness yeah. and all that, or what is it? All the above. Yeah. We, we are so, we, we are looking for the answers in the wrong places. You mentioned social media. Think about social media for a minute. I mean, that's an addiction in in and of itself. Sure. I mean, it has caused more depression, more anxiety. Um, it, it grabs more people's attentions for hours upon hours. And if you think about it, when you're done with it, what, what did you get out of it? You don't feel enlightened. You don't feel connected. You don't feel spiritually fed. Not saying there's not, there's good things on social media. I'm putting good things out. You are, we're all trying to do our best there. But at the end of the day, you know, we used to look up for inspiration. Now we're looking down. I mean, we need to be looking up, yeah, folks. And the drug, I mean, think about it because of COVID. I mean, back a year ago, last April, um, overdose nationwide was up a thousand percent. Wow. A thousand. Wow. Why? Everyone had to close in lack of lack of connection, right? We're not yeah. connecting anymore. And it's it's different. But I just think, you know, I'm not a I'm not a, I, I really believe everything we need is within us. Yeah. I believe we just need to tap into that. And I think what we're doing, why people, you know, and I'm guilty of it too, is we're always looking outside of ourselves for the answer. Right. And I think we got it already within us, especially when we're connected with our higher power. Right. For sure. 
I, Barna just released a study. They talked about it at my church where mm-hmm. in 2020, the only group that did better and Barna is not, you know, right. Religious bent or faith-based at all. And they, and they did a study. The only group that did better in 2020 were people that attended church regularly. It's the only yeah. group across the board. Everybody, every yeah. other group did worse except yeah. for this one group. And I'm like, man, that tells you something. It's not just a spiritual thing. Yeah. There's, real physical benefits to being part of a faith faith to me i think it's i think what it is is like you know like being part of something bigger than yourself is is, yeah. is a part of it because when you you know like there's purpose in everything even like in suffering for me like there, yeah. i might be in something you know some circumstance or whatever that i'm not necessarily loving but if i you know when i have a connection with god i know that he uses it you know, so to right. me, it's like, it's all part of the bigger plan. And I can, you can deserve any what, if you know, there's a why behind that, I guess, back to your, you know, find your why, but I, yeah, I encourage anybody out there. Like, even, even if you don't believe in God or Jesus, I don't think that that offends him, you know, like just go to right. church, just yeah. go to church and look at it as motivational speaking. If you want to, you know, however well, you want. And if you think about it, if you, if you read up on God and Jesus or however you want to look at it, what did they do the whole time? They were giving it away. They were helping constantly give, 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 give. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what, what we're, I mean, that's how we break out of these depressions and anxiety and, you know, drug abuse and this and that, because again, we're we're so self-centered so much. I mean, I was the most selfish person on the planet at the time. I really was. I didn't care about anything. You you go to meetings still? I don't. No, don't. Do you, how do you feel? So, cause I'm a big proponent of, uh, of Kava. I actually have some on my desk here. Um, just something that I found a few years ago. Like, so basically I was rededicating my life to God and, you know, I was still drinking a little bit. And when I did fairly regularly, I sleep with a girl, you know, and I was really committed about not doing it. And, you know, it, it was only been, on leadership at my church, I think at the time. And, um, my pastor was like, you gotta get sober, dude. He's like complete abstinence from alcohol. So for six and a half years, I was completely sober. Uh, probably a couple years ago, I found Kava mm-hmm. freedom. And it, for me were something I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, to take the edge off. Um, and you know, I know, I know people in the program are pretty against it. To me, I, I'm a proponent of it because I feel like the reason that the success rates are so low for people in recovery are, are sometimes because you need something like to take the edge off. But I'm not, I'm just curious to hear how you feel. Do you think, you know, cold turkey and it probably is the best, but it doesn't seem like it works for everyone. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, and I, you make a great point. And, and again, there's different ways of getting to where you need to get to. Um, you know, there are studies out there that cold turkey truly is the most effective way. But again, there's other ways for other people. And, you know, I personally am not a fan. <laughs> um, and not that I think people are bad if they're doing it. I don't look down like, oh, they shouldn't do that. I, I just think I really do believe that we have everything within us to get us to where we need to be, especially when we were connected to our to our higher power God, you know, and uh, but yeah, I, I, again, if someone's like, if you're taking, I don't look down, I don't sit and go, I can't believe he's doing that. I, <laughs> I'm not saying this because I'm any part of program. It's just my own personal opinion that, 
you know, for me, I, I, I have that all or nothing mentality. I still do. Sure. And it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous sometimes to put something in me that well, yeah. okay, I need this now to make it through the day. Yeah. When, no, I can make it through the day. I don't need it. Yeah. You're 31 years. And you're so good. you're good. 31 yeah, years. And, and, and I've, I've thought this for a long time. Yeah. Why mess with it? And so, but again, if that helps anyone get to where they need to be and they're, they're clean from drugs and alcohol and they're, they're getting themselves in a good, happy place. How can I argue with that? Right. I, I can't, I'll be that's, the first one to say high five. I never go, well, how'd you do it? And well, that's the wrong way to do it, but oh, you're happy and clean. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, if, but I personally, that's just my own personal opinion that uh, I, I think we can do it without it. Yeah, but, sure. You know, I love your, I love I'm open to any idea. The biggest takeaway for me over everything that you said was just give it away. If you want it, give it away. And I do think that I, uh, yeah. you know, fall prey to the whole things get hard and I'll go with, I'll, I'll go within myself, you know, like, you know what, how it is when you get depressed and you kind of, for you sure, don't have, you don't have anything to give. It doesn't feel like, but it's actually probably when I need to give the most, because I know sometimes yep. for me, when I get, when I get down and depressed and I, if I, if I like withdraw, it just makes it worse. You know, and then it starts right. to be harder to come out of it. So you got to kind of exactly. push through it. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you about, um, hold on, let's see. So we're reading a book in the city fam and city fam's book club called lost connections by Johan Hari. And this kind of ties into what we were just talking about with community. Sure. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that that is, uh, the root cause? Because it seems like people are more depressed you know, more lonely than they've ever been. They got the loneliness epidemic is pretty, you know, well documented. Do you think that it's the fact that we'd like, you know, we, we don't go to church the way we used to, we don't join bowling yep. leagues. So we don't do all these things. Yeah. And that is, yeah. Cause that's, yeah, what, I, I, that's I, what I think it is. I agree with you. I'm right. I'm on board because, you know, again, like Johan will say connections, the opposite of addiction or addictions, the opposite of connection. I mean, either way you take it because think about it when we're in the height of our struggles, what do we tend to do? We isolate, we pull ourselves away. Yeah. But I think we're wired to need and want connection. Right. That's a powerful thing. And, and, and here's, what's cool. And, and uh, I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. And he talks about that when we give away to someone, when we do something nice for someone, our body releases a chemical called oxytocin, right? And what oxytocin does, there's many things that it does, but the one of the main things it does, it makes us want to have more connection with people. We want to be around people. Right. And so I think, I think Johan's right spot on. I mean, we need to know what's our purpose and, and to connect and make a difference in people's lives. I think you went through what you went through, Rob, to wake you up to do exactly what you're doing. Yeah, because the world needs you to help us connect. And here we are, you and I are talking and having this great conversation. I feel amazing right now, because I, I feel connected too. to you. Yeah. And, and I and I hope your listeners are feeling this connection as well. Because that's, see, that's I'll smoke that all day long. <laughs> they're, probably, they're probably all crying like me. I mean. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. You, you know, you want to feel amazing. Go, go give a, a little girl or a little boy, um, you know, a hundred dollars worth of quarters. Who's, you know, given, you know, selling lemonade, watch their expression. 
Watch what yeah. you do to that kid and tell me that doesn't make you feel amazing. Yeah. No, you know, and so, so yeah, I'm right there with you. I totally agree. Connection is so important. And I just think we're wired to be around people. Tell me that. What do you love most? And what do you hate most about recovery? Uh, what I hate most is how um, I think the recovery world in a lot of ways has it wrong. Explain that. Um, well, I don't think we're powerless. I don't think we have a disease. Um, I don't think you're broken. I don't think we always have to be in recovery. Do you I not, think do you not uh, identify as an alcoholic? Because that was something that always no. bothered me. Like I'm Rob Kowalski, and I'm an, no, I was. You know, I had a problem with alcohol for a long yeah. time, but I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah, and I'll talk to someone who I've been meeting with for a week. They've been a week clean, right? And I'll ask them, "Are you an addict right now?" And they're like, "Yep." And I'm like, "Oh, did you use today?" And they'll go, "No." I, did you use yesterday? No. The day before? No. So are you really an addict right this moment? And they'll say, no, I'm not. I said, the truth is we're clean. Rob, you're clean. I'm clean. Why can't we say that? Why can't you say, hi, I'm Todd. I'm clean today. Thanks for having me. And I'm grateful to be where I'm at. And hopefully I can help someone today. I love that. I yeah. Feel like that. Yeah. Because that's just the truth. Yeah. Did I used to be an alcoholic? And do I know if I go back to the bar tonight and have a drink? Am I back into it? Yes. I'm smart enough to know that it's like everybody else. So that's the part I don't like. I don't think we're powerless. We're powerful. I mean, and especially when we're connected to our higher power, there's nothing we can't accomplish with that. So good. Doesn't mean it's easy. So, but the best thing I like, honestly, is seeing someone get it. And what I mean by that is where you see their belief system change and go, I am a good person. I do matter. I do love myself watching that. That again, that there's no greater high on the planet to me than that. Awesome. When I see it, when I see a client get to that point where they're like, Todd, I really do believe in myself. Now I am connected to my higher power. It feels amazing. That I'm, that's when I go, it makes this all worth it. That's, that's so good. Everyone, I'm talking to Todd Sylvester. Uh, and Todd, tell, tell me what you, what are you excited about? Like, what do you have going on that you're most excited about? You know, uh, right now I'm doing a podcast like you are. Um, I call it a belief cast. And it is, I, I again, I'm blowing my mind. We just hit 125,000 downloads. We're trending on iTunes and Google, or excuse me, Apple and Google. And I, I just did my 170th episode. I've been doing it for three and a half years. We just landed a sponsor. I got three or four that are getting ready to, to, to sign in mm -hmm. that I'm excited about that because it's like, I mean, and I'm going to put you on the spot right now. I'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> I would love to be on there. Thank I'd you. love to have you on. Thank um, you. Love it. But it's featuring great people like you who have been through a lot, who have overcome, and now they're making a difference. And, and, you know, I started off where it was 100% addiction based, but it's not anymore. I mean, I've had some amazing famous people on there. It just blows my mind. And it just, that's what I'm most excited about. Um, Who's been your favorite guest? Oh, wow. Now you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> Who's been the biggest guest, the most, most famous? Most famous, uh, probably famous wise is Paul Cardall. He's a, uh, he's a pianist. He's got 25 million active listeners every month. He's, he's a heart transplant recipient. He just had his 10 year anniversary. He's actually been on my show twice. Mm. And 
famous wise when it comes to that i mean he's won grammys the guy's amazing i mean he's unreal and but i've had so many i can't even tell you i've had even someone that no one even knows about who's overcome addiction they got the most amazing story where god came in and swooped them up and it just so it's hard to give uh, credit to anyone better they're all amazing okay you know so (laughs) tell, tell us about your coaching programs so yeah, I mean, I I do I call myself a mindset coach. I mean, I struggle with labels and titles. I'm just trying to help people find success, which is waking up in a good mood. At the end of the day, and what's getting in the way of that? Whether it's addiction, whether it's anxiety, depression, and so I've been doing this, like I said, for 31 years, and uh, I've got a really simple yet powerful program. I do it individually, one on ones. I also do group settings. I do it online as well. If someone, you know, is not where I live, obviously. And uh, so that's kind of what I do there. I also am a counselor at Wasatch Recovery, which to me is the greatest university on the planet. And I'm just grateful to be a part of this place as well. We've helped a lot of people who are struggling with addiction and things like that. So how often do you find like, so you mentioned like waking waking up, you know, happy. Um, How often do you find that it's people are doing things that they're not born to do? Like, cause I often look at like my own life, you know, a lot of people struggle for, with finding their purpose. And I, I parallel a lot of that uh, to the story. I look at the Israelites when they were in Egypt, yeah. they were, they were enslaved and they had the three square meals. They were slaves. You know, God says, I want to take you to this promised land, you know, and, and, you know, when they got there, well, most, none of them actually got there. The, when their kids got there, yeah, <laughs> Joshua right. and Caleb got there, um, they weren't slaves anymore. They were, you know, farmers and blacksmiths and potters and who knows what else. And, and, and I'm sure people were doing things they weren't born to do. If, and they had security though, you know, when they were in Egypt, they had, the, they had security. Um, they had their, you know, their meals provided. And, right. So I, I look at people in jobs a lot of times when they're working these jobs and they're not happy or they don't feel fulfilled. I'm like, to me, I, it, it reminds me of that story. It's like, yeah. hey, oh, you got to go through the wilderness. You got to yeah. go through the wilderness to get to your promised land. And, and to me, like I've been doing this for about 10 years is when I really jumped, um, you know, left my, my job. Right. But I remember when I was promoting, I was not happy. I made money and I was right. having, you know, I was having sex and I was, you know, yeah. all the things, but I was like, I know how I felt when I woke up in the morning. I didn't, I didn't yeah. like, I didn't like my reality. Do yeah. you find that that is a big um, reason that people are unhappy? Absolutely. Cause again, your, your story is perfect. You were, you were making money. You had women all over you. You were living the dream, so to speak, the high life, right? You're, you know, you're kind of a high profile guy, but you're waking up miserable. Yep. Why? Because you're going against who you really are. Right. Right. And I think, I think we go through hard times though, to wake up. I always say addictions, your wake up call to your greatness. Mm. It's, it's like heavenly father, God, however you say it is trying to wake us up. Like, okay, this isn't you. And this is why you're waking up miserable. And so, yeah, I think that's a huge part of it, Rob, where we just are doing things that are out of who we are. And if we are working a job that we don't like, and a lot of people, you know, it was the option they had to take. And I get that. So what we need to do is maybe make that job where I'm giving away um, 
to make that job a little better while maybe I'm looking for something that I should be doing. Kind of like you did 10 years yeah. ago, you jumped out of there and look where you're at today. It's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. You took that, that leap of faith, so to speak. But, but I think that is a huge part actually. Yeah. I, what I find is too, is like, and it's nothing wrong with working the job. You know, if you're using it as a, a way to fund yeah. the dream, like, so you're hustling, you got a side, you know, gig and you're you're hustling on that on the nights and the weekends preparing to make an exit from that that thing a lot of times people don't do that they 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 work and then they come home and they they watch television and, and numb you know because they're like yeah. you know but it's difficult it's a difficult journey that everybody has to make dude i, I i've loved talking to you man i didn't you Thank know you. i didn't realize it was gonna get so emotional man. <laughs> you really that was awesome man thank you so much for sharing uh, where, where can everyone find you i want to put the links in but just tell everybody where they can find you on social media yeah. online. social media my instagram is at ts inspires and you know you can find me also on facebook there as well and twitter and then my website is toddsylvesterinspires.com you can get some more information about me as well. And then if you want to look up my uh, podcast, which I call Beliefcast, any any platform out there that, you know, hosts podcasts, you just type in Beliefcast and it'll pull it up and you'll see uh, see me on there as well. So yeah, I'd love to hear from, from your listeners. And, you know, if they want to reach out to me, they can shoot me an email at uh, Todd at ToddSylvesterInspires.com and I'd be happy to answer any questions they might have. Love it. Thanks for coming on the show, Todd. God you bless you. Hopefully we get to meet one day face-to-face -face if I ever make it out there. Yeah, God bless. Thanks for having me, Rob.